It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Jesus. If you, I mean, if you couldn't shout on that one, you can't shout. Now where the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Not bondage, contrary to popular belief. The devil brings you into bondage. God brings you into freedom. So, for all the people that you hear at school saying, you know, that, you know, God, he's just trying to restrict you or put you into bondage and the whole church thing. Actually, they're completely not true in what they're saying because the devil wants to bring you into bondage and God wants to bring you into freedom. So, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Our bishop's helping me already. Are being transformed into the same image. From, the glory, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. But notice that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's look over at 1 John. Can I have a couple Kleenex real quick before we get this popping off tonight? Thank you. Don't look at me while I blow my nose real quick. First John, I can't be having a, a messed up nose while I preach. First John five and and First uh, John five, and we're going to read in verse twenty one, the last verse of First John five twenty one. It says, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." Amen. <laughs> Let's go home. I'll repeat that, verse 21. It says, little children, or, or the apostle John is speaking to a church that are his children in the Lord, and it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And then he amens himself, because it's good. Amen. Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. All right, let's look over at one more passage, and then we'll get started. Genesis 1. So we went we we done took it back to the beginning. Genesis one. Tonight I'm gonna to talk about worship. Worship. And uh if you're taking notes tonight, I've shared some of this before, but I got a lot of new stuff. Uh tonight if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Worship Transforms Us. Worship transforms us. I didn't get an amen from Brother Beanie. Worship transforms us. Okay, yes, sir, that's what I needed. Worship transform, transforms us. That's, that's the title of my message. That's what what's we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about worship. And uh, we're going to read here in a second out of Genesis. And how many know Genesis is the first book of the Bible? And it records what happened in the beginning of the world and what happened to Adam and Eve and what, what the world was like before sin came into the world. And Genesis is the account of what God's original plan was and God's original intent. How many know just because sin came in the world doesn't mean God changed his mind or changed his plan or changed his intent on w what he wanted man and, and woman to be like? So 
we can go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and, and 3 there before they sinned and see what God created man to be like because that's what Jesus came to restore. I done preached 125% better than you responding. And so uh, we're going to read this in a second, but first of all, before we get, get going full speed here, we're going to talk about worship, and I want all of you in here to know today that you are worshipers. Every one of you in here is worshipers. Whether you know it or not, you're worshipers. Every one of you. And some of you say, I don't even believe in God. That doesn't matter. You're still a worshiper. You're just not worshiping God. You're worshiping something else. Why? Because God created man and woman to be worshipers. And that's who you are. So you can't help it. You're worshiping something. Now the question is tonight not if we are worshipers it's what are we worshiping it's not if you are a worshiper because every one of you is a worshiper it's what are you worshiping stay with me tonight I got some teaching to do Genesis 1 and we're going to read in verse 26 and this is where God created Adam and let's see what he said then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, he says, let us, because how many of you know God is one, but God is three? God is one, but he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's why he said, let us. In case you're wondering who's the us that are gathering there at the beginning of creation, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we know, it's the Trinity. And so God said, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Now, you need to keep image in the back of your mind the rest of the night because we're going to come back to image. So he said, let us make man in our image, or, or he, he said, let man be like us according to our likeness and let him have dominion. Camp meeting. Dominion camp meeting. And let us him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing. Come on, Kenzie. You just got blessed over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And verse 27, so God created man in his own image. I said keep that, keep that word in the back of your mind all night tonight. We'll get back to image. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And verse 28, and then God blessed them. I mean, you know, the first thing that God said to man was, you're blessed. He didn't say, you're cursed. He didn't say, I don't like you. He didn't say, I don't love you. He said, you're blessed. How many know God loves you? And he, he's not out to get you. He's out to bless you. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And over everything that moves on the earth. Amen? So we see here in Genesis 1, we see that God's original intent was for man to do two different things specifically. I'm a priest tonight. I can already feel it. <laughs> two things specifically. First of all, the word that we keep talking about, first of all, he meant for man and woman to bear his image. For men and women that he made on this planet their original intent and original plan was to bear the image of God. Not of something else, 
not of the devil, but to bear the image of God. Because he created them, and he was their father. How many know uh, just your natural parents, you bear the image of your natural parents because you look like them. And a lot of you talk like them. Why? Because you're made in their image. But how much more your heavenly father, who created all of us, his original intent and original plan was us to bear his image. But we know something, something happened. When sin came in, we stopped bearing God's image and started bearing the devil's image. Now, we're going to keep going here. So we see that when, when sin happened, when sin came into the planet, we stopped bearing God's image, which was his original intent, and started bearing the image of other things other than him. We started bearing the image of things that were created and not the creator. But number two, we were created to worship. You know, in, um, in the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew, especially in verse 28, when God tells man what to do, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. When God told Adam and Eve what to do and what their, their job or their plan for their life was, when he said that, actually in the original Hebrew, the words he used uses is the same words as we get from worship so when Adam and Eve did what God told them to do and lived on the plan that God had for them that was worship to God so Adam and Eve had two different assignments you're going to bear my image and you're going to be worshipers now stay with me we could do some teaching tonight and like I said, in the, in the original Hebrew, when God told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, when God told Adam and Eve what they should do, in the original Hebrew, the words he using, uses is the same words for worship. So you've got to realize, worship is so much bigger than what we just had for a couple minutes in here. That's like, that's like a little tiny part of worship. Just you being up here for, for 10 minutes in a service, that's only one little aspect of worship. Worship is a lot bigger than that. And God doesn't look at worship just like that. And we can see even from the beginning that God doesn't see worship as 15 minutes a week when praise and worship songs are happening at church. He sees that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a way of life. How you live your life is how you worship. How many of you know if you come up here and worship on Sundays and Thursdays and Tuesdays, but don't live for God the rest of the week, this so-called worship is bogus. Because worship is how you live your life. Worship is how you treat other people. Worship is, your do if, is if you're doing what God has called you to do. That's worship. And a lot of people, especially us that have grown up in church, we have such a narrow-minded view of worship that, you know, if I just stand up in the front every service for 10 or 15 minutes, then I'm worshiping God. That's this much of the picture that you're getting here. Because we see that God thinks that worship is a lot bigger than that, and worship is your life. In Romans 12, 1, you don't have to turn there, but you can write this down. In Romans 12, 1, that same idea is carried. It says, present your, 
bodies to God a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. So what did God say is reasonable worship for him? Your whole life. Not 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Not 20 minutes on a Thursday night. Your reasonable act of worship to God who gave you everything, the reason you're living, the reason you're breathing, the reason you're not in the hospital tonight, you're not at the doctor's office tonight, you're not in jail tonight, your reasonable act of worship to that God is your life, not 15 minutes. That's worship. And we got to get out of this narrow view of, of worship and segment our lives. A lot of Christians are so segmented on our lives. Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday nights. That's God, but the rest of the week's mine. You're not a worshiper. You're a fake. If you don't worship God all week long, it doesn't matter that you worshiped one day that week. Because worship is bigger than the songs we sing and music. It's presenting our bodies or our life a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1, which is our reasonable act of worship. That's what God says it is. When you present your whole bodies, your whole life to God, it's just reasonable. It's not even outlandish. It's not even a big deal. When you look at how good God has been to you and what he's done for you and everything he's given you, it's just reasonable. It's like a no-brainer. When God's given me everything that's good in my life and every good and perfect gift comes from him, it's only reasonable for me to give my life back to him. When God's given everything to me, the reasonable response is to give everything back to him. Now, here's the definition of worship. I I got several of them tonight, but here's the first one. Worship is the continuous outpouring of all that you are and all that you do for something or someone. Worship is the continuous outpouring. Notice continuous, not just a couple times a week. The continuous outpouring of all that you are and all that you do for something or someone. Now let's look over at Romans 1. Romans 1. I appreciate you guys tonight already. Romans 1. So we see worship is the continuous outpouring of all that you are. And all that you do for something or someone. So just in your, in your mind right now, think of who that person or that something is. Because that's who you're worshiping. Now, we're going to talk a little bit because it goes right hand in hand together. Worship and idolatry go hand in hand together. And I know idolatry is a big word that people don't use much anymore. And a lot of you who've read your Bible especially in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, it talks about idolatry or idols. What does that really mean? What has everything to do with worship? I'll tell you a really basic definition of of idolatry. Idolatry is just basically this. It's worshiping something or someone other than the one true God. 
That's what idolatry is. That's, that's the easiest definition for you to remember. Idolatry is you worshiping something or someone other than the true God. It could be anything. It could be a person or it could be something you do or something you're involved in. But that's idolatry. Now in Romans 1, 25, it says, it's speaking about idolatry here and worship, and it says, these people who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature or the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever and amen. So notice that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they ended up worshiping created things rather than the creator. What, what is that the picture of? Idolatry. Because they worship something other than the true God. And that's idolatry. Now stay with me tonight because I'm, I'm teaching you something. Because a lot of you are saying idolatry, idols. Uh, we live in 2012. We really don't have idols. I mean, we have American idols. But we don't really have idols in our house. And you're saying, well, I don't have a Buddha in my home and I, I don't worship it. Or I don't have like a statue of some, some Indian figure in my household that I, that I bow down to four times a day and chant to. And a lot of you are saying, well, you know what, I... I love God and I'm worshiping and I don't really see myself as an idolater and I don't really worship idols what's the definition of it it's you worshiping something or someone other than the true God now let me get real practical on you because we say oh we don't, we don't worship idols because we're sophisticated and I know thousands and thousands of years ago when, when people were in the Bible days they worshipped you know, different gods and they went to these pagan temples and sacrificed people and worshipped them and you know sometimes in, in third world countries where they're poor you see them worshipping at these temples and they have all these, these, these evil idol statues in their house and they, they pray to and they sing to and they sacrifice things to and they bring their money to. But I'm sophisticated because I live in America. And it's 2012. I don't really worship idols. And you got to realize, you worshiping an idol is a lot more than you bowing down to a statue. It's anything you worship other than the true God. You know, back when the, when the Bible was written, they a lot of these big cities in the Bible times, they would have temples to these different idols. They would have a temple of Diana, which was known for sex. And in the temple of Diana, there would be prostitutes, which you would go have sex with to worship. There would be other temples dedicated to certain other gods that were involved with drugs. And so your act of worship was to go do drugs at that temple. There would be other temples where they, they ate and they drank and they just feasted the whole time. And that was their act of worship to their God. And you're saying, well, we, we don't live in those days. How many know the names change, but the idols don't? So we're saying, you know, I'm not going down to the temple of Diana and having sex with nobody, but you look at pornography. The names changed, but the idol didn't. 
well, I don't go down to a temple and do drugs, but you smoke weed every week. And that's your idol. We know I don't do this and do that, but you have an eating addiction. The names change, but the idols don't. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. It's the same idols, just a different day. You just got blessed on that. It's the same idol, just a different day. They go by a different name now. They're more sophisticated, but it's the same old junk. Some of you guys in here, I got to be honest, some of you won't like this, but some of you guys worship food in here. Some of you worship sex in here. Some of you worship nature in here. Some of you worship drugs in here. Some of you worship sports in here. You know, back thousands of years ago, they had the same thing we have. They had big coliseums where they would gather together and chant and cheer, and pretty much they worshiped those athletes that performed in front of them. Thousands of years later, it's the same thing. Just a different name to it. They met in an open coliseum with like tigers they fought and gladiators. <laughs> but we go to the Yum Center and see U of L play. It's the same thing. Same idol, just different names. So we see here that anything other than worshiping the true God is idolatry. You know, in Romans 1.25, we read this, but you got to understand this. Everyone on the planet is either worshiping created things, sex, drugs, food, nature, sports, you name it, or they're worshiping the creator. They're either worshiping the gift that God has given them, or they're worshiping the gift giver. There's, there's everybody, I mean, God, I love, I love the way that God just breaks it down and splits all of creation in half. It's this easy. You're either worshiping the creation or the creator. There's only two options. You're either worshiping the gift or the gift giver. There's only two options. And the thing is, about some of the things I talked about, those things are actually good things. They're not necessarily bad things. And you've got to realize, idolatry is, ju- is not just about doing bad things. Are you hearing me today? Because a lot of you aren't out at the, at the strips clubs uh, uh, doing cocaine, okay? I, I know a lot of you aren't, aren't out there doing that, so you're saying, well, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything bad. But idolatry is bigger than just you doing bad things. It's when we make good things our God. Because a lot of you, these, these blatant bad things are not our issue. It's these good things that we make God in our life. I'm going to read a quote from uh, Tim Keller. And he wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. <laughs> and it, it's all about idolatry. It's all about the things that we worship here in 2012. And it's idolatry. And this is what he said. Idolatry isn't only doing bad things. It is more fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Idolatry is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than God. 
Did you guys just hear me? It says, idolatry is building your life and your meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than on God. Whatever we build our life on will drive us and enslave us. And sin is ultimately, primarily, idolatry. It's really more a worship issue than it is a sin issue. It's an idolatry issue more than it is a sin issue. Because at the root of all sin is idolatry. So we realize idolatry is, is more about bad things. Get that whole bad thing out of, your, out of your mind. Of course, those are no-brainers. But it's when we make good things into God's in our life. And you know what? I believe that you should have hobbies, and I believe you should enjoy your life, and God wants you to enjoy your life. But not when it comes to you worshiping those things. And those things take the priority of your life. And you, you get your value from the, your thing, those things. And those things matter to you. And you're in deep, dark depression if you don't have those things. That's when it becomes an issue. And I love to have fun. And I have lots of hobbies. I like to fish. I like sports. I like all these things. But when it comes down to it, I can't give my whole life to those things. Because it's ultimately idolatry. You know, I love sports, and I like sports team, and I love the IU Hoosiers. Come on, Hoosier Nation, Red Revival. But you know, I'm hitting a little close with weeds tonight. If you're in deep, dark depression for weeks at a time when the Hoosiers lose, you have an idolatry problem. It's okay to get a little upset, but you've got to think about it in the... In the view of eternity, does this really matter for me to be depressed for weeks at a time? Some of you girls in here, if you have a bad hair day, you are in the deepest, darkest depression, and you're mean to everybody for days at a time. That's idolatry. That's a worship issue. I, do, I didn't mean to go to meddling. And what these are these are these are not bad things, they're good things, but when we make them God, that's when it becomes an issue. And I, let me tell you something about this. If you're going to be constantly worshiping all these idols, even the good things, so-called good things, they will not satisfy you. And they will not bring you joy, and your life will be a roller coaster for the rest of your life because your joy will be in those things and not in Jesus. And if you're basing it on all those things, that are not important in the matter in, in perspective of eternity, your life will be a roller coaster. Why? If you got to go fishing that week, then you're happy. But the week you didn't catch anything, I'm preaching to myself right now. And the week that that you missed that catfish for the fiftieth time, you're in deep doctor dark depression, then there's an issue. So I'm not saying everybody in here, you need to leave all your hobbies and not do anything fun or anything good because God wants you to have fun. He wants you to have hobbies. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly, but not to let those things rule your life and not to let those even good things be your God. And we said this earlier, but he gave all those things to us as a gift, not to be our God. They're gifts. You know, sex is a gift. Sex is not bad. 
Sex is a gift. But when it becomes your God, it's a problem. You know, athletics and all these things that God has enabled people to do, it's a gift. But it's a problem when it becomes your God. You know, something about this is that idols are lifeless. And God is not. God is the giver of life. So if you base your life on all these things, all these different idols and idolatry, guess what your life's going to end up being? Lifeless. Because you're not worshiping the one who has life, which is God. Let's look over at 1 John. You guys are getting something tonight. I appreciate you. 1 John. I know I'm teaching a little bit more than I usually do, but 1 John. In 1 John 5 and 21, it says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. You know, this passage, which the Apostle John wrote, he was very elderly when he wrote this, because it was probably right about before he wrote the book of Revelation, when he was a very elderly man. So that's why he's saying little children, because compared to how old the Apostle John was, these people were children. And they were children in the faith to him. So that's why he says little children, keep yourselves from idols. But it's kind of different because the whole rest of John's writings, he never even brings up idols or idolatry. But how many know when, when you get a little bit older and a little bit wiser, you don't just throw out random words. You think before you speak and you say things that are important. And it's amazing that at the end of this letter, 1 John 5, the last verse, he's going to be talking about different stuff the rest of this book, but he ends it with little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. You know, Martin Luther, how many know Martin Luther, who Martin Luther was? He says that the human heart can so easily become an idol factory. He said the human heart can so easily become an idol factory. That means that you're just, your flesh and the natural man and the enemy, his goal is to get you to worship something other than God. So he, he doesn't really even care what it is as long as you're worshiping something other than God. That's why he says, Martin Luther said, just the natural man, his heart is an idol factory. If it's not something just really nasty and bad, it could be something good, but it's still an idol. And the enemy doesn't even really care if it's, if it's just really nasty or if it's really just something simple. As long as you're worshiping something other than God, which is idolatry. But in the New Living Translation, I love this. You've got to listen to this. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. The Apostle John says this, Dear children, keep away from anything not just bad things but any even good thing that might take God's place in your heart why because your heart was not destined to have multiple things going on at the same time your heart was not destined to serve two masters it can only serve one 
Your heart was only destined for God himself. And until God comes on the inside of you and lives in your heart, you will not be satisfied because the only thing that can fill your heart properly is God himself. And until you come back into contact with your creator, instead of stop worshiping created things, you will not be fulfilled and you will not be at peace with yourself. Because that empty place in your heart was meant for God alone. But he says, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. He's giving a warning to this church. Keep away from anything that you think might take God's place in your heart. He's talking to believers here too. He's not talking to unbelievers. And it's so easy for even believers that, yeah, God's, God's living in there. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of you in your heart. But it's so easy that our affections go to all these other things. And you could say all day, you know, I got, I got Jesus in my heart. But what are your affections? What are you passionate about? What are you motivated for? What do you think about all the time? Who really has your heart? Yeah, I know if you're saved that God's living in there. But there's a lot of believers that, that God's in there. But God really doesn't have their heart. All these other things have that place that only God should have in their heart. So he says, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Can I give you another definition of worship? Man, you guys are listening tonight. I can tell. You guys are listening. Here's, here's maybe a little more easy to understand definition. On to gauge what you're worshiping. Whatever you give your time, your talent, and your treasure to, that's what you worship. What do you give your time to? What do you give your talent or the gift that God's given you? What do you give that for? Do you give that for yourself? Do you give that for the job you go to? Or you, do you say, God, I want you to use this gift, duh, since you gave it to me, for your glory and not mine. So whatever you use your time, your talent, and your treasure, your money. Because how many know Jesus said in the Gospels, what your treasure is, your heart will be also. Can I talk real talk for a second? I'm not talking to the visitors on this one because you guys are new. But if you've been coming to this church for a long time and you don't tithe or give offerings, God doesn't have your heart. Can I just say that? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And if everything in your checkbook revolves around you, God doesn't have your heart. If you never give anything for the kingdom of God or for the church, it's bogus you saying, you know, God, you have all my heart because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If we see your checkbook and all your money is going to a, a person that you're in love with, guess who has your heart? That person. If we look at your checkbook or your finances, your credit card, your debit card, and all your money is going to this specific hobby, guess who you're worshiping? Guess who has your heart? That hobby does, not God. So worship is whatever you give your time, your talent, and your treasure to. That makes it real easy to understand, really easy to gauge yourself on who you're worshiping or what you're worshiping. It says, 
little children, keep yourselves from idols. Something interesting I saw today. Bishop, you go, you go jump, shout, do a twirl on this one. Hey, we're not done with that word image. We've been waiting all this, all this time to come back to image. So we said God's created you to worship, but God's created you to bear an image. And you've got to realize worship and, and bearing his image go hand in hand together. See, we're going to tie it all up right now. You ready for this? And it says, keep your hearts from idols. Amen. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So we know we've been called to worship, but we're called to bear an image. And really, in some of the Greek translations, it says, keep away from bearing an image that's not of God. Keep away from bearing an image and likeness of something other than God. In the Greek translation, which that's what it was written in, I told you we'd get back to image. And we just opened in the door here. Because worship and bearing an image go together. And what is he pretty much saying there? is whatever you give your time, your talent, and treasure to, you're going to end up bearing that image. Whatever you worship, you're going to end up bearing that image. God created you to be a worshiper and to bear the image of the one or the thing that you're worshiping. You know why God is so strong all over the Bible with, you shall have no other gods before me? And he's so strong against idolatry. Why? Because he realizes you have been created to bear an image. And when you worship things other than him, you end up bearing that image instead of his image. And you're not going to be happy bearing this image. Why? Because it's an idol. And idols are lifeless. So if you worship something that's lifeless, you're going to bear that image. You're going to be lifeless. And, and full of no power, no peace, no joy. You're going to be lifeless like the thing you're worshiping. So that's why he's so strong, not because he's insecure or he doesn't want you to go look around at other things because he knows they do a really bad job at being a God. They do a really bad job of being something to be worshipped because they don't bring life, they bring death. You know, I had to read this book for Portland Bible College. Come on, Brother Warrior for my worship in the Bible class and the title of the book was called We Become What We Worship and this is a quote from what We Become What We Worship are you guys still here? are you still listening? say something Jesus say something speak it man of God stay with me I know I'm doing some teaching tonight this is not no preschool baby food tonight because worship and image go together so we established that you were created to worship, you were created to bear an image, but how are you going to bear an image? Well, you automatically bear the image of whatever you've been worshiping. Whether you like it or not, whatever you worship, you're going to end up bearing that image. That's why God wants you to worship Him and not other things. Because you'll start to look like Him again, which was His original intent and plan. In that book, it says, Whatever you worship, you will resemble. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not done with that quote. Whatever you worship, you will resemble. 
either for ruin or for restoration. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he says, whatever you worship, you will resemble. Either for ruin or restoration. If you worship anything other than the one true God, you will resemble that and you will go to ruin. But if you worship God, you end up in restoration. Because whatever you worship, you will resemble either for ruin or for restoration. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians 3. My, my, I'm having a good time tonight. 2 Corinthians 3. You didn't know you are getting a Portland Bible College class tonight. You're getting credit for this. If you know. Tell the professor... You need to get Bible college credit for this. 2 Corinthians 3. I want to share a couple of things with you before we read that, but how many know who Dr. Drew is? Dr. Drew. He's on TV all the time. He's on the Teen Mom. He's on the uh, celebrity, you know, celebrities that are addicted to stuff. Dr. Drew's all over TV. And Dr. Drew, which, not that I know of, is he a Christian, but he's, he's a very smart man. He's a, a doctor. And uh, he knows a lot about addictions, and he a lot, knows a lot about people that live in destructive lifestyles. And Dr. Drew wrote a book called The Mirror Effect, which he's not a believer, but he nails it in this book. Because he talked about that every human being on the planet is like a mirror. And they will end up reflecting whatever they're focusing on or whatever they're worshiping. He didn't say worship, but that's what he was saying. So everybody, he's got revelation that most Christians don't have. Everybody on the planet was meant to bear an image. He didn't say that, but that's what he was pretty much saying. And they will end up reflecting whatever they focus on or whatever they give their attention to, whatever they worship. In the whole book, The Mirror Effect was talking a lot about the celebrities in, in our nation and around the world that are so self-destructive. And it's crazy out of control. I mean, it seems like one is dying all the time. Some famous person, either it's Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Heath Ledger, it's somebody all the time or if they're not dead, they're going to rehab because they're messed up. And what he talks about a lot in this book is how sick America is as a whole and the world is as a whole because we are trying to reflect that image of celebrities that don't have it together, that are going to rehab and that are dying. Why? Because everybody is meant to bear an image and you reflect whatever you're worshiping. And the majority of people in the United States, they polled people that were our age. And they said, one thing in life, what would you want to be said about your life? What would you want if you could have anything? You know what the people that are our age group said? This is how sick our society is. Why? Because they're worshiping something. And they're reflecting that image in their life. And the poll said, Number one thing is people wanted to be famous and wanted to be popular. 
That was the number one thing that people our age group wanted to be. Not smart, not have a good marriage, not have a good family, not be a successful person. They wanted to be famous and they wanted to be popular. That was their goal in life, to be famous and popular. And how many know by now, there are so many celebrities that are famous and popular for no reason. They have no talent. <laughs> they have no skills. They can barely even talk publicly. Hello, somebody. They don't even know how to speak or how to even write some of these people. And they're famous for nothing. Why? Because the re- our society as a whole, America as a whole, is reflecting the image of what we've been worshiping. You know, you can see it in your own life. People that are interested in certain things, they'll start dressing like those people. They'll start talking like those people. They'll start doing everything like those people. Why? Because whatever you focus on, whatever you look at, whatever you're worshiping, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, you will end up bearing that image. It's funny, people that are so enthralled with the Jersey Shore, like they have something figured out. People that are enthralled with that, and they just would like to get on a reality show like that, they start tanning, they start doing their laundry, they start going to the gym. Why? Because they end up reflecting the image of what they've been worshiping. How many of you have seen that in your own life, that, that somebody that you know gets, gets really, you know, excited about a celebrity or a certain thing, and they start dressing like that person? They start talking like that person? Why? Because we were meant to bear an image. And whatever we worship, we will become. Whatever we worship, we will resemble. And anything other than God is idolatry. And it will end in ruin. Jack Hayford says this, Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one he worships. That was a tongue-tying message. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one he worships. I'm almost done tonight. 2 Corinthians 3.18 You guys didn't know you were going to get all this about worship. 2 Corinthians 3.18 It says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. The mirror effect. Because we are all meant to reflect something and bear an image. And notice it says, But when we look at God or we look at Jesus, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now this is what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can now see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is a Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Whatever you worship, you will become. Whatever you worship, you will resemble. Whatever you worship, you will bear the image. I think most of you are smart enough to say, I don't want to bear the image of something else. I don't want to become like something else. I want to be like God. 
I want to resemble God. I want to love God. I want to bear His image like was the original intent in Genesis 1 was for me to bear the image of God. I feel like that's most of your guys' heart. What tells you how to do that? Saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Him. I want to walk like Him. I don't want to be transformed into something that I don't want to see and that others don't want to see. Why? Because worship will transform you no matter what, either for ruin or for restoration. Worship is changing all of us right now. All of you in here are changing either for the good or for the better. Depends on who you're worshiping. And it says that when we look at Jesus or when we focus on Jesus and when we worship Jesus the Holy Spirit which is on the inside of us transforms us into that same image she's saying I want to become like Jesus well start worshiping Jesus start looking at Jesus start getting in your Bible and receiving from Jesus because when you do and when you worship that you will end up reflecting him and not something else and when people see you they'll see Jesus why because you've been worshiping him all week so you're reflecting that image to everybody else and how many know the the world doesn't need more Christians that are bearing the image of the world the world doesn't need more more Christians that are bearing the image of all these created things they need more Christians that are bearing the image of their creator of the gift giver of God himself and that's what's going to change the world not Christians that are bearing an image that was never made for them Jesus didn't come just to restore your worship he came to restore your image He came to restore the image that was in the garden that they had. That you could reflect God. We don't change by looking at ourselves. All of you in here, they're saying, I like what you're saying. I realize I'm bearing an image. I realize I'm worshiping something. And I want to bear the image of God. And not all these things that are going to mess up my life and bring my life to ruin. The key to that is not focusing on yourself. It's not looking at yourself. It's not condemning yourself and downgrading yourself because you're not where you, you think you should be. That's not the way you bear the image. It's by looking at Jesus is when you reflect that image. It's when you focus on Jesus and not yourself. When you focus on yourself, you're going to reflect yourself, not Jesus. That's like you going to the mirror and looking at yourself. You're going to reflect yourself. Move you out of the way and put Jesus there so you can start reflecting Him and not yourself. Because people don't need you, they need Jesus. And us as believers are supposed to reflect His image. So you don't change or you're not transformed by looking at yourself. You're transformed when you look at Jesus and you focus on Jesus and you worship Jesus. And it's a promise in there 
that one of the main reasons God gave the Holy Spirit to you to come on the inside of you was to be the change agent that changes you into that image. Notice, you're not changing yourself. The Holy Spirit's changing you. Your job is just to worship. Your job is just to focus. Your job is just to give your time, your talent, and your treasure to the God of the universe. Your job is to outpour your whole life to the God of the universe. And the Holy Spirit is the one that changes you into that image. Are you guys getting anything I'm saying tonight? I know I'm saying some some stronger things tonight. Not no baby food, not no baby squash like we ate the other week. (laughs) Some steak and filet mignon tonight, some shrimp. And I tell you what, when you start focusing on Jesus and worshiping Jesus, you're not going to have to try to change, you're going to (laughs) change. You're not going to have to try to be like Jesus. You're going to be like Him when you worship Him because the Holy Spirit does the work. You know, I tell you, this is what's going to start happening to some of you when, you when you really get this and put it into practice in your life and get this revelation of what you've been worshiping. If people are going to start coming up to you and say, you know what, I don't know, how you do what you do, you just seem like you walk in love with everybody. You seem like you're nice to everybody. Even people that don't like you, even people that are mean to you, you seem like you're walking in love with everybody and you, you genuinely care about people. What's starting to happen? You're starting to bear the image of the one you're looking at. You're starting to bear the image of the one you've been worshiping. That's how you change. And sometimes you won't even notice it, but other people will notice it. People will come up to you and say, you know what? It seems like everything keeps going wrong in your life, but you're just so full of joy. You're just so full of peace. You're just so fun to be around. You don't take yourself too seriously. And there's just something different about you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's been changing you into the image of Jesus. Are you getting anything tonight? The Holy Spirit changes you to the image of of Jesus. So the more you worship Him, the more you focus on Him, the more you give your time, your talent, and treasure to Him, you'll bear His image. And notice that will bring restoration. But anything else, like I said, it's, I know it's a strong word, it's idolatry, and it will lead to ruin. And you end up bearing that image in the end. I love this we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord we are being transformed by the same spirit of the Lord why? because worship transforms you worship transforms you do you guys get anything tonight? let's get everybody to stand up